What exactly is the potential of Oregon football recruiting under Dan Lanning? We will discuss that today. Plus, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov spoke in an interview with John Canzano, and I have some thoughts on that. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. Thanks for making this your first listen every day. It's your number one source to stay up to date with the Oregon Ducks every single weekday. Remember to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or maybe you think it's a four-star show, and that's okay as well. If you want to leave a nice comment, that always makes my day to see that sort of stuff. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of your financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. So we are going to start today with the interview that the Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov gave on the bald-faced truth of the bald-faced truth recently. That is John Canzano's radio show on 7.50 a.m. The Game. I'm sure some of you have listened to that. I have over the years. I've met John. He's a nice guy. I think he does a lot of really good stuff for Oregon and Oregon State athletics, and I like the commentary he provides. So I listened from time to time. I saw that interview, and Klyovkov had a couple of interesting points, and I won't get to everything that he said, but I did want to talk about a couple of things, particularly as they pertain to the Ducks. First of all, Of the things that stood out, number one was that this year in Pac-12 football, not only did the conference go winless in bowl games, UCLA didn't get to play, unfortunately, but they were also favored to lose that game, but you never know. Vegas isn't always right. Oregon was a 14.5 point underdog to Ohio State, but hey, go Ducks, we got it done. So Oregon, we did our part this year, but everybody else needs to pick up the slack a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so... Just wanted to throw that out there. But worst non-conference win percentage in football since 1983 for the Pac-12. So there have indeed been times when USC was dominating the conference. There weren't that many good teams out there until Chip Kelly came along and then Jim Harbaugh came along. And then there were some really good teams. But, you know, Tedford at Cal had a couple of, uh, of nice squads put together, but... There weren't very many good ones, but if you have been thinking that this has been an especially bad time for Pac-12 football, the statistics back you up, and I've noticed that just in the quality of play and everything that the conference has done, it is not as good of a product overall as it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. And hopefully, Klyovkov, who was just hired last year, is going to be able to change that, taking over for Larry Scott, who I think made several missteps. But... One of the things that Klyovkov talked about is, and that's how Kenzano was pronouncing his name, so I'm assuming that's correct. He talked about the need for making the necessary investments, which is just a big part of college sports. It sounds so simple, but not every school is willing to do it. Mel Tucker was the head coach at Colorado, and he went to Michigan State, which is probably a better job than Colorado, but is it miles ahead of the Buffaloes? Not really. But the reason is Michigan State was willing to offer more money, and Colorado straight up said, no, we're not going to make that investment. And the Colorado football team, as a result, has suffered because of it. 
making those sorts of investments matter. And the Pac-12 just often, way too often, in my view, hasn't had that from their schools when it comes to football or sports in general. And part of the reason Oregon has been able to become the premier brand, as Dan Lanning always says, and he is correct in saying that, the premier brand of the Pac-12 is because they have enough people who care. And by the way, that includes you, the fans, because it takes a village, as they say. Oregon has had people, Phil Knight among them, who have been willing to make the investment, the commitment, the time, the dedication to making a football program as good as it can possibly be. And one of the reasons, I'm not saying Oregon wouldn't be where it is if it were in a different conference, say the Big 12 or the Big 10, but it's objectively harder in those conferences. And I think the Ducks have benefited from that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just reality. And it's good that Oregon has capitalized on it because when you have a power vacuum, the way that the Pac-12 football with USC being down and no one else having you know, the powerhouse sort of potential, it's good that Oregon has been able to capitalize on that. But USC, maybe they're going to make a comeback with Lincoln Riley. All I've seen him ever do in college football is win games. So I have no reason to believe that when he goes to USC, which was sort of a dying brand, he's suddenly going to forget how to win as a college football coach. I don't think that that's going going to happen. So that was the first thing that stood out. He also talked about the environments. Kenzano asked him a question about, you know, what were some of the best environments? Of course, he's given the commissioner speak. Oh, there were so many great environments. And like, oh, all the fans are great, even though there are obvious differences. He has to say that sort of stuff. But guess what? I don't. One of the things he mentioned was, how great the environment in Las Vegas was, and he described it as a different world for the Pac-12 championship game than the ones that were played at Levi's. On that, he is being 100% truthful. I was at the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas, and I was at the last Pac-12 championship game that had fans in 2019 when we got the better of Utah, rather than you know whatever happened this year, and let's just try and forget that that ever happened. But He is 100% right. I mean, it is a way better place, and that's a good thing for the conference. It's important, and it matters, because when you have more people attending the game, it creates a better environment, and it creates a better viewing product, which means you get more eyeballs. You get more recognition. You get more people who have an interest in the teams playing in those games. And I guarantee you that when you look at how these games are able to benefit programs on the recruiting trail, winning a game or just playing in a game that's competitive. I mean, Oregon didn't do themselves any favors getting routed by the Utes in Las Vegas 38-10, to but playing in games that have those sorts of environments that players at home who are potential recruits or future recruits watch it and get excited about, that helps you a lot more than whatever was happening at Levi Stadium, which was, they weren't selling a lot of tickets. The envi- the lower bowl wasn't even full. But in Vegas, that place was packed to the brim. And I thought it was great. So that's a good move. And Klyovkov still has a lot of things to fix, clearly, because he has got to get more institutional support and investment from these programs across the conference to be able to raise its profile. Because it has literally never been lower in my lifetime. I mean, they did win. We didn't win as a conference a single bowl game. That is astonishingly bad. Washington State played, I think, Central Michigan lost. ASU played Wisconsin in a down year, couldn't beat them. 
We know what happened to the Ducks in the Alamo Bowl. The only team that represented itself well, frankly, was Utah in the Rose Bowl. I mean, that was a heck of a game. It was awesome. and That is really the only thing that the Pac-12 as a conference has to cling to as far as bowl season goes. So he's got his work cut out for him, and moving the Pac-12 championship game to Las Vegas isn't everything that he needs to do, but I think it's a good start to help raise the conference profile. Last thing that that stood out to me was Kenzano asked him a question about getting on the SEC level, and Klyovkov said that they need to focus on themselves, being the Pac-12 has to focus on itself and you know not worry too much about what's going on on the outside. But he said something that was also contradictory to that sort of mindset, and I think he has the right mindset, but then he sort of contradicted himself. I'll tell you what that is, but first, this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. Head to netsuite.com locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com locked. So the thing that Klyovkov said that was contradictory was he talked about first, you know, uh, we can't worry about other conferences and trying to get to that particular level. And, you know, we just got to do what, what we can do to, to improve our conference and raise our profile to get back to the playoff. But then he said, and we want to expand the college football playoff. If you were actually in the mindset, I think, of we need to just focus on ourselves, you wouldn't be honing in on expanding the playoff in order to get the Pac-12 back to it. Because if you expand the playoff to 12 teams, the Pac-12 would get back to the playoff. But that's not actually fixing the underlying issue here in the conference. The underlying issue is programs are not committing enough resources or they don't have the right coaches or whatever the case may be. That's you know a, a bigger discussion. But if you just expand the playoff and then get Pac-12 teams into it and say, oh, look, this is you know problem solved, that's not solving the problem at all. You need to be able to look on the inside of the conference and at your teams and say, why are these schools not getting to a high level? Washington didn't have the right coach. USC couldn't hire the right coach. Other schools just haven't shown the investment. Places like Cal and Colorado, you know, I just, I don't see it. I don't sense the urgency from those programs. ASU, I think, is comfortable just being a an 8-9 win team under Herm Edwards. I, I just, I, I don't, like the idea of expanding the playoff. I don't think we we really need it. I think the top teams are able to distinguish themselves. I like the college football regular season being the best reality sport on television. Even better than the NFL, in my view. But if you expand the playoff, then you lose that. So I, I'm not in favor of that. But I think the Pac-12, as Klyovkov said, needs to look at itself and say, how can we get better investment, better buy-in, and bring better recruits over to the West Coast, because right now the product is way, way below par for what we should be talking about. By the way, as a golfer, I golfed earlier today, recording this on Wednesday night, I lament the phrase like, oh, they're very subpar. Subpar is good. I don't know where that phrase came from. I just, I lament it through and through as a, as a diehard golf fan. So 
that's enough on that. Let's get to uh, a mailbag question that came in that posed the head topic for today's show. Question using the hashtag AskLODPod. It was actually right up in uh, my DMs this time, but either way is fine. At Smalls underscore 55 or hashtag AskLODPod. Came from at Zach underscore D underscore, who, by the way, was very polite. I always appreciate that. You don't have to be as polite as he was. He kind of went above and beyond to say nice things, which you know I very appreciate. Makes me feel good. But if you do decide to tweet at me or interact with the show, which I want you to do, just be polite. It's the only thing that I ask. And if you are, I will get your question answered right here on the show. He said, do you think the Ducks will have a number one recruiting class in the next three to four years? I think this is a really fascinating question. Because Oregon, under Chip Kelly, never got higher than the 12th best recruiting class in the country. Never got higher than that. And yet Oregon was, you know, (laughs) as high as you can basically go in college football. And they were never elite recruiters, you know, as a a staff when Mark Helfrich took over. And then when Willie Taggart got there, they sort of were. And part of that, a big part of that was... Mario Cristobal being there, who ended up staying, of course, and being the head coach. And he propelled Oregon into sort of a new realm of recruiting, the the kind that we really had not seen before. And there's an old quote somewhere in the past from Scott Frost, who was the offensive coordinator under Helfrich, who was then at UCF and is now struggling at Nebraska, talking about how hard it is to recruit up in Eugene. And there historically has been some truth to that, but Mario Cristobal and his staff sort of broke through that barrier, and they've changed the narrative completely about the potential for Oregon recruiting. And Oregon classes have been really, really good, not just bringing in high-level guys, but they've been deep as well. I mean, just look at the 2021 class. Ty Thompson could be the future quarterback, could not be. We'll see what happens. Troy Franklin has already made an impact on the edge. Hopefully we'll get more touches going forward because he looks like a really athletic, capable wide receiver. Jeffrey Bassa, that guy looks like an NFL caliber safety. I mean, he is a true freshman, and he is lighting guys up, flying all over the field, making tackles in space. He is exceptional. Keith Brown played significant time this year at linebacker, especially when Justin Flo went down with an injury and Mace Funa was in and out of the lineup. Brown saw some significant playing time on defense this season. Jalen Davies, this is all class of 2021, by the way. Jalen Davies was the cornerback. You probably knew him as number 14 on defense that we saw in the Alamo Bowl. I thought he looked good, made a couple of nice open field tackles. And though he got beat a couple of times in coverage, he wasn't actually in bad position on most of those plays. So he showed some promise. Seven McGee was a true freshman this year. And we know what his potential is. And by the way, I talked about the special teams coach, Lorig, yesterday on on the pod. If you haven't listened, go check that out because I think it's sneaky important how good that guy could perhaps be for improving Oregon on game days. Seven McGee as a punt returner and a kick returner in the Alamo Bowl. Yes, please. Every day from now until he is no longer an Oregon Duck. Get Seven McGee the ball in space. I want to see that all the time. Again, I'm still going on the 2021 class here. Matavau and Ferguson, the tight ends. Byron Cardwell. Jackson Powers Johnson, who was an offensive lineman, switched to playing defensive line this year. 
Those are all guys in the 2021 class. That's a lot of high-impact players for one recruiting class. And it's a credit to the previous staff and their ability to recruit at a high level and bring in high-level recruits. And the 2021 class, by the way, was rated sixth nationally, the highest in Oregon football history. That's a big deal even though that staff isn't here anymore, and I'll tell you why after I tell you about an incredible app who everyone that buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Once you've downloaded that app and you're saving money over there, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So it's significant that Chris Sabal and company were able to bring in those big-time classes in the previous years because it changes the perception of Oregon. And I think it makes it more likely that a staff like the one Dan Lanning has assembled, and of course Dan Lanning himself, are going to be able to come in and continue to bring in guys at a high level. And I think it all really started with... Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, when you get the number one recruit in a class, that makes a lot of headlines. And you see how many five-star guys followed in in the years that came after Kayvon Thibodeau. Whereas before, Oregon getting five-star guys was virtually unheard of. I mean, the last one the Ducks had had before Thibodeau was DeAnthony Thomas. And that's because he fit Chip Kelly's offense literally perfectly and he definitely lived up to the billing. Five-star guys most often do. Not always, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out. People can make mistakes or players don't click in the system or whatever the case may be. But typically when you get a five-star recruit, he's going to be a really good player. And that's certainly been the case for Oregon's most recent run of five-stars. Uh, I think Dante Manning still has some room to grow at cornerback. We'll see if he's able to develop. He certainly has the opportunity to do that now that Mikhail Wright is gone and DJ James in the portal, but Thibodeau is a monster. Noah Sewell is a beast. Justin Flo, I can't wait to watch him. I can't wait to watch that guy. I love watching him play football, but the fact that Chris Ball and his staff were able to put Oregon on the map like that draws the attention of other recruits because 
High school kids are watching signing day. They're looking to see where the other top players are going. It, it 100% is something that they do. And when they see you know that O on a hat going onto a kid's head and he's a top recruit, I'm telling you it matters because it starts to generate the sort of momentum that you want for a university when you're trying to bring in high-level recruits. Tosh Lapoy, the defensive coordinator who signed a contract earlier today as I'm recording this on Wednesday night, the 5th of January, 2022. Happy New Year, by the way. I don't know if I said that, but I've also never been a huge New Year's guy. It's kind of a, yeah, I won't go into my, I won't get on a soapbox for that right now. But anyway, so Tosh Lapoy was the recruiter of the year in 2010 by 24-7 Sports, and he is ranked in the top 10 in 27 Sports recruiter rankings from, uh, or he was in the top 10 when he was at Alabama from 2016 to 2018. He was in the top 10 each of those three seasons. Then you look at Dan Lanning, and I'm about to tie this back to the original question that Zach D. asked. That's the Twitter user who DM'd me this question. And Dan Lanning, when he has been on staff as defensive coordinator for Georgia, the classes have been pretty darn exceptional with a lot of five-star guys too. Since he's been the defense coordinator, not counting the year where he was the linebackers coach, but since he was a full-time D.C. for the Georgia Bulldogs with Kirby Smart, Georgia's recruiting classes have ranked second, first, and fourth nationally. Currently, for the class of 2022, Georgia is third. Now, Kirby Smart is definitely a part of that. That guy knows football, he knows how to recruit, he learned from Nick Saban, so did Lanning a little indirectly, you know, not quite as much as Kirby Smart, but when you put together classes like that, you can't discount the role of the defensive coordinator, especially when you're building a defense the way that Georgia has. They're historically, at least statistically, and when you watch them, they're just awesome, awesome to watch. That sort of defense they're still going to recruit at a high level even though Dan Lanning is leaving Georgia because Kirby Smart is the head guy at the end of the day. But you can't discount the role that Dan Lanning has in building a defense like that. And and recruiting is part of it. Scheme is part of it, but recruiting is part of it, right? In the NFL, it's just about scheme. I mean, you have to draft well, but that's more the GM's job than the defensive coordinator's job. And in college... It's about your ability to recruit and plug the plug and play those guys into your scheme. Also, speaking of recruiting, Jaleel, Jaleel Florence, who was high school teammates with Oregon commit Jaleel Tucker, is still considering Oregon. He'd committed to the Ducks, then he decommitted when Cristobal left, and he is now looking at several schools, and Oregon is still among them, which is very good because he is said to be a pretty high-impact defensive back. He's looking at Miami, Oklahoma, USC, and Florida. That's a big list of schools. And if Dan Lanning and company are able to land him back to Oregon after he was going to after he was going to go elsewhere, that, that would be a real testament to what we can expect. So back to the original question, do you think the Ducks will have a number one recruiting class in the next three to four years? The potential is there. I mean, it's right there. It's tough because competing with, you know, directly, when you're talking about getting the top class in the country, directly with Alabama and Texas A&M has got the top class this year somehow. 
I don't really know how, but hey, Jimbo's getting it done in that part of uh, <laughs> in that part of his job. And the Georgias of the world, and Clemson, and Oklahoma, it's really, really tough. What we can expect, and what I can say confidently, is Oregon will be able to get back into the top 10. Could they get to number one? I don't think it's impossible. I think if Mario Cristobal and that staff had stayed for another five years, they would have gotten pretty close because they had a lot of good recruiters on that staff. But remember, that highest-rated class in Oregon history, class of 2021, had Don Johnson's director of player personnel. He has stayed on with the Ducks. You've got Tosh Lapoy, who's a high-level recruiter. You've got Dan Lanning, who has been a part of elite recruiting classes at Georgia. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Again, I can't guarantee that Oregon could reach number one, but is it something that is theoretically possible that in past years just seemed downright unfathomable? Yeah, I, I do, because that's what this staff is. That's where Dan Landing comes from. In the SEC, it is recruiting first, they win National Signing Day, and that's where their focus is. And I think that that is a great place for Oregon to be. I love the recruiting potential of the staff, and that is probably the most important thing in college football. Not the game day management, it doesn't matter, but the SEC wins recruiting every year, and guess what? They go to the national championship games a lot, and once again, it's an all-SEC national championship. I appreciate everyone listening. Keep the questions coming, hashtag AskLODPod, or write my DMs at Smalls underscore 55. Special guest tomorrow, you won't want to miss it. Just stick around, like and subscribe, have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.